0: Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we're going to take a break from our usual format of discussing Beef Watch newsletter articles. Today's Beef Watch podcast is a producer's perspective, and I'm joined by Cade Adamson, who's a rancher from Cherry County, who's going to talk with us about their operation and also how they've moved to using leased bulls for their breeding program. Thanks for joining me today, Cade.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me,
0: Aaron. Okay, before we dive into today's topic, uh, just tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and the history of the ranch operation there.
1: You bet. Well, <laughs> to get started, I, I guess I'll just start with college. Um, myself, personally, I also went to UNL. Uh, majored in agricultural and environmental sciences communication. And from there, after I graduated with my bachelor's degree, I just came back to the ranch, something I didn't know I'd always do. But the ranch is located south of Cody. And I'd be the fifth generation Adamson Rancher, but the third on this specific place where typical Sandhills Ranch, commercial ranch, cow-calf, black Angus, um, nothing too special or specific.
0: Tell us a little more about the ranch. Are you primarily you mentioned Sandhills? Do you have some wet meadows? When do you calf? When do you wean calves? How do you market? What does that look like?
1: Yeah, we have most of our hay is, is meadow ground, sub irrigated. We have one old pivot that really should have never been a pivot that we have seeded to native and we hay it. But we start our heifers March 20th. That's something that we push back later since my dad started kind of calling the shots four years ago. Uh, we were before that starting beginning of March or else late February. And then we just keep those calves. Uh, we wean in, in the fall, like usually have them weaned by mid-October, I would say. And then we usually hold them over until January and we sell in January. Just keep them on hay and uh, a cake supplement. We usually just cake or usually use cake protein. And uh, that's really the most of it. I mean, we put up all of our own hay. We don't have to supplement with any purchased hay, which is nice. We don't have to lease any additional ground. Everything's continuous here too. So that's additionally nice to not have to pay for trucking cattle to other pastures or anything like that.
0: When you go to market those calves, what's the target window there? Are you trying to sell a back-to-grass type calf? How do you make that calf uh, fit the market there in January?
1: Right. I think more than anything, uh, as far as the steers go anyway, and I guess the the heifers can be a different game. For instance, this year with the heifers, I'll speak on that quick, is we're going to banks vaccinate, I think, all of our, our calves that are heifers um, that are, aren't are too small or just uh, doesn't meet our our agreement of, of what confirmation of a replacement heifer should look like. And we're going to have some heifer bowls and, and try and sell as bred heifers more than likely. I don't think we'll have them ourselves. We'll probably market them as bred heifers, probably close to this time next year, I imagine. The steers we're shooting for on average, I would say five, six weight for, for the bunch, uh, well, more than, I'm sorry, that's not very specific, but I would say six and a quarter, um, if we're selling into January. And that's that's kind of probably the heavier end, but we I would say they're ready for backgrounding, if nothing else. For instance, we sold ours to a, a buyer in Iowa that has a feedlot, and he's going to more or less kind of background them, and just they'll probably move into the feedlot quicker than than the average. I think they're going to try and bunk break them, and then just get them get them into the feedlot. Before that, we were selling to uh, Walmart. I can't remember the actual program's name right now. Uh, Prime Pursuits, I believe, and we were doing that for a while, just kind of riding the wave of. Uh, it was a pretty good premium and being able to sell off the ranch every time was consistency and was nice to know where, what to expect and, and what they wanted. Um, we've stepped away from that as they've kind of started requiring some more paperwork and record keeping than we're willing to put forth uh, just due to convenience, I guess, more than anything. But otherwise, yeah, it's just calves that are ready for pretty much anything. They they don't need to go back to grass necessarily, but they're young, so they're, they can adapt to pretty well whatever.
0: So you mentioned you're planning to keep some heifers back and uh, expose those. Do you do any AI? Is all of your breeding program natural service? What does that look like?
1: Right. Uh, All of our breeding is natural service for sure. We haven't AI'd anything ever. We don't do anything with embryos. We're pretty boring, pretty straightforward and old school in that way. Uh, We've typically kept replacement heifers of our own to keep back as cows when we need to. And that used to be on a yearly basis anymore. we're not as worried about building the herd and and things have shrunk down as the place is kind of split up between my aunts and uncles we don't have as much of a need i guess to have replacement heifers for ourselves every year but uh selling as as bred heifers might be beneficial we think with what the market predictions look like anyway but no AIing no nothing specific just black angus bulls from our our lease operation, the operation we lease from i guess
0: so talk a little bit about that you mentioned you lease bulls uh, historically, I assume you bought bulls and then you've transitioned to leasing bulls. Just talk about that a little bit. What's been done historically? What are you doing now? Uh, what's your experience there?
1: Well, Grandpa has always bought bulls and we've traded reeds a lot over the years, from my understanding, well, before my time. Uh, started out with Herefords and then he would buy Hereford bulls and whatnot. And then um, his brother, I think there were several wreaths between him and his brother, but uh, limousine. And then at one point, I believe in the 70s, somewhere in there, his brother started raising Keanea bulls and switched to Keanea for a while. Their disposition, I think, is quite well known. And that was a big reason to switch to Black Angus. And that would have been, I think, in the 80s. And so he's just bought bulls always up until I think we started leasing bulls. Oh, I want to say like eight years ago, maybe six years ago, somewhere in there. And it, it just it started out with. We were still buying some bulls from the same people we leased from um, more often than not. And we just kind of phased out to where as bulls got old, as they um, showed up as infertile, then we would just lease more bulls to replace those. And we eventually worked our way out of ownership of bulls um, to entirely to the point now where we lease everything that comes on the ranch uh, for seed stock.
0: So talk about that a little bit. Obviously, if you go to a bull sale, you're studying the sale catalog, you're picking the bull you want, and then hopefully getting the one you want based on the price that day. What does it look like when you go to select lease bulls? Do they select the bulls for you? Just tell us more about how that works with the the provider you work with.
1: Right. Yeah, because I know I've talked to some people in smaller operations, at least from neighbors, and like everything varies so much. This operation leases is a a huge part, maybe even the majority of their operation as far as their bulls go. And they do it in a variety of ways. We personally, I guess, we go up usually about this time of year. We haven't gone yet. And we look through all their bulls they're offering, and they lease yearlings. And then you can lease back the two-year-olds you like as yearlings the year before if they test out, test good. Um, But we just go through, they'll give us EPD sheets and they use multiplier herds of a variety of other ranches within probably three states, I would say. Um, And so you can look through those herds based off, usually we lease from the same multiplier herd, the same operation that has genetics from the lease operation we're going from. So it's a little bit of a, it's not directly, we're not dealing with the same person as far as where the bulls come from, but we are dealing with the same person as far as who we sign the papers with and who we pay um, so we'll get the EPD seats and we walk through them and usually we pick first, off confirmation first EPD second. Uh, you can just call in uh, some of our neighbors do that actually that also lease from them and they'll just call and either have them select bulls based off of what they their preferences are and they can kind of get to have a relationship where they know what somebody might want. Or they might just send them EPDs if that's all they really want and pick number based. It's kind of, they're very good at working with somebody, I guess, as to what your preferences are. And uh, they're based out of ideal, so they're only probably two and a half, three hours from us. And it's not bad to make one trip up and back.
0: So when you go and you pick out your bulls, then they bring them when? Is it uh, just prior to the breeding season? Do they come to your place quite a while before turnout? What does that look like?
1: Right. See, and that's the thing. They're very... They're very flexible in a lot of ways. And so we like to have them here a couple of weeks before breeding season. We turn out heifer bulls early, mid-June. And so we like to have them here a couple of weeks because it's such a different environment. They they winter over in, in uh, feedlots. And so to have them out and stretched out and get some exercise and the sand versus the clay and just kind of give them a chance to get adapted. And so we'll have them out for two weeks before and then kind of a 60-day breeding season is what the average they figure on. And then we'll have them afterwards for maybe probably another week or two, probably two weeks on average. And they'll come with their trucks and haul them back. And the only thing we have to pay for, we don't pay for the trucking here or there, but we pay for health and brand papers is our responsibility on upon return.
0: So basically, you if you've got a 60-day breeding season, you have the bulls for about a total of 90 days or so. Is that, is that pretty close?
1: that sounds about right yeah i think that's kind of the average that they figure on
0: so you mentioned that you can you're getting yearling bulls but you can then pick back some two-year-old bulls uh how does that work i guess you send the bulls back and then you have the option then to pick some of those bulls if you liked them to reuse them or share with us just what that looks like logistically
1: yeah that's a pretty important part of it actually i should that's a good thing to elaborate on because they you start out definitely picking mostly just yearlings I don't think I can't recall ever just going in and and picking I guess they have the two-year-old pens and you can probably pick from bulls you might not have had before and and in some cases we do actually that would make sense because some of the yearlings don't test back but you definitely pick off of the yearlings and then maybe something you didn't like about maybe they didn't travel that well they didn't have as good a feed as you thought Um, they didn't stay with the cows as well as you would have liked. so you don't have to pick them for next year but they give you the option based on how many 2-year-olds you want uh, and then what they how they test out um, some of them definitely you don't get back but a lot of them you do and then after they go back as 2-year-olds they usually sell them on their on their private sale uh, you could buy them if you would like or somebody else can you don't get i don't think there's a first pick or a first option for buying them back if you lease them for 2 years maybe might be kind of a downside for somebody who does want to have some ownership but Uh, It works well for us to have, you know, yearling and two-year-old bulls. Two-year-old bulls are prime in my opinion. I think they've been there and done that, but they're still young. So it's nice to have that in your back pocket.
0: Yeah. Talk a little bit about just uh, getting those bulls. Are they all in the same pen or having been from the same pen when they come to you? Or is there some pecking order establishment that happens when they arrive to the ranch there? Or what does that look like?
1: So yes, the two-year-olds have their own pens, and then the yearlings have their own pens. And each pen is designated with a letter, which designates a multiplier herd, or else it might mean that the producer themselves cab those bulls out. And when you go in and pick, you know, you'll be picking from two-year-olds and yearlings, and then they get thrown together on the ranch. So there is some pecking order involved, but they maybe didn't see each other before that. Uh, it usually gets dealt with pretty quick, and that's another reason why we like to have them a little early, is let them fight each other before they get in the mix of some pairs.
0: So I guess tell us the things you've liked about this and maybe, maybe some of the things that are drawbacks from your perspective. Obviously, you're not using a bull more than two years. So you don't have to worry about really, I guess, uh, paying a lot of attention to, you know, going back on heifers that you've kept or anything like that. Uh, any bull that's sired a heifer calf, they're going to have left the ranch before they'd even come into production in terms of breeding season again. But just, just share with us what this looks like for you logistically and the things you like about it.
1: Overall, I definitely think it's the right decision for our operation, and it could be the right decision for many commercial cow calf guys. If there's nothing, you know, if anybody has any kind of side, uh, the downside might be if you if you want anything to do with registered, you probably are going to want you know AI, and and they could be cleanup pools for that. Um, but you're you're going to want more specific genetics, I guess. And this is this is more confirmation if you're looking for anything specific genetics, there is some of that, and they're this operation's doing more with genetic testing and trying to have more accurate EPDs and more accurate bloodlines. But uh, that would be a downside. I think the overall upsides for me personally is I like the – they have really good guarantees. I mean, you know you're going to get a sound, fertile bull when you get them. And if they get hurt, especially early on in the breeding season, but I think throughout the 60-day breeding season, they'll credit you back for next year pro rate. Or if it's really early on, they will bring you another bull if you need it, if you're going to be short on bull power. Uh, they're really good at working with you on that. And I, that's kind of hard to beat to just have a guaranteed good bull, you know, rather than going to a sale. And you can sometimes kind of roll the die, pay six, eight grand for a bull. And then they get there in the week into the breeding season, they're hurt and they're out. And you kind of just have, you know, something that's not very practical. But uh, the other big reason I think it's nice to have the lease program is that uh, you don't have to winter anything you don't have to take care of them over the winter or over just any of the non-breeding season and they're not tearing up pasture it's less to feed less to take care of less to look at um, they're here when you need them and they're elsewhere when you don't and then another downside is you're paying that lease fee and at the end of the day you have no ownership of it so you're you know, you're know you putting that in and if that's something that bothers you you know nothing with your brand on it and it's it's uh nothing to show in the long term uh, i mean Guess you're getting the bull, but you're not, you know, having an actual ownership for the money you put into it, perhaps. But I think having the the guarantee of having what we need when we need it, and not having it when we don't need it, makes the most sense.
0: Are you able to run a few more cows because you don't have those bulls year round, or has that really changed your stocking rate much at all?
1: It could. I I don't think it affects us dramatically from what we were before, just based off our herd size. I mean, I guess right now. We have uh, some replacement heifers some, uh, in in the pasture that normally we would have bulls in this winter, and they're, we're feeding them in there. But I, I don't think it, it really has impacted us that much in that way. It sure could. It's just for sure less less it's that much less time we have to spend doing chores in the winter and, and things like that.
0: Yeah, I think your comment uh, bulls uh, can be a problem when they're not with the cows and tearing up you know facilities, uh, another chore to do. Just as you said, sometimes it seems like carrying those bulls through the year, the you know, 300 days a year, they're not breeding cows. They can be a, a challenge and they've got to be somewhere. You don't want them right next to cows during calving or things like that. So there's definitely some non-monetary benefits that you've mentioned that are a little bit hard to quantify, but they sure have value.
1: Right.
0: Absolutely. Well, Kate, what else would you think would be valuable to know and understand about your experience with leasing bulls?
1: I like the flexibility, I guess, in this with this particular operation. And I, I, from what I've gathered, other people who lease out bulls are also really great. You can develop a relationship with, and you get that fresh genetics uh, that you might not have. I mean, you mentioned, you know, your replacement heifers not coming into contact with something that might have sired them. But you get, we can switch to different multiplier herds, and we often do every two years, and then we're getting another fresh set of genetics that can just provide an additional benefit to the herd, just with building up something that isn't you know specific towards one trade or another and uh, that relationship where you can you can know you can talk to the producer that you're leasing from and figure out what what multiplier herd might have you know one one benefit versus the other and you can work out deals as far as when you want them and when you like them picked up and how you want to pick them and when you can pick them and there's just a lot of flexibility there that I think can be difficult to attain from just buying bulls uh at a sale or private treaty but it's not impossible i just having that extra cash flow as far as not not having the full price of buying a bull and still ending up with fresh genetics as frequently as we do is is a huge benefit
0: okay thanks for your time today appreciate you sharing your experience and your perspective on leasing bulls how that's worked for your ranch there thank you for having me well, for more information on the topic discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would point you to the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have an Excel-based spreadsheet tool, a bull cost calculator tool, that you can go in and compare. Actually, the option we've talked about today, there's the option of purchasing bulls, leasing bulls, or using AI. And as you think about the possibility of putting some numbers to that, I'd encourage you to check out that spreadsheet as a tool. Again, that's at beef.unl dot edu.